0: In a 2013 blog post, Seth Godin, who is a marketer and thinker extraordinaire, has said this, measurement is fabulous unless you're busy measuring what's easy to measure as opposed to what's important. Now, he was not talking about spiritual things, but he was talking about the results of measuring the wrong things and the importance of measuring the important things, exactly what we're gonna talk about today. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. This is episode 211. Welcome, we are gonna pray today about measuring success. But before we do that, Let's talk a little bit about life and about prayer. So a personal update on our front this morning, is: I mentioned, uh, if you were here before we began, that we have a new puppy in the house, and it has been a long time since we had a puppy or a toddler in the house, and you forget how much constant attention they require. It's actually my mom's puppy. It's a mini golden doodle, and it looks like a teddy bear. It is absolutely the most adorable thing you have ever seen. All puppies are adorable. And they experience the world by putting it in their mouth. They bite everything. And so far, this pup has been extremely. kind of remarkably good. He is learning so many things, learning crate training. He's becoming housebroken. He learns when meals happen. He learns what he's allowed to chew and what he's not allowed to chew. He's learning what his new roommates will tolerate from him, and that's people roommates and our old boxer dog roommate. He is climbing, (laughs) standing on Wiley's ribs as Wiley lays on the ground. He's doing horrendous things to that dog and he is so patient with him. He's learning so many things. And while he is adorable and we love him, if we didn't teach him all of those things in a variety of ways, with discipline, with correction, with reward, and with consistency, he will not grow up to be the best dog version of his puppy self. So why should we expect any less? If God loves me and wants me to grow into the best possible version of myself, he is going to do the same thing with all the tools at his disposal. And that might mean discipline, might mean correction or reward or consistency. The puppy's name is Duffy, by the way. So if I refer to Duffy the fluff monster, that is him. Though, I have to say, for a puppy, he's been remarkably good. I don't even have any ridiculous puppy stories for you. That's, that's how good he's been. So that's what's going on at home this week. We are adjusting to life with a puppy. To be fair, mom's the one doing the most adjusting. I am gonna mention this now also. If you've been with us for a few months, you might remember that my ex-husband, my son's dad died in early June. And we have to take a quick trip up north to load up and move some things home that my son inherited and wants to keep. And we're doing that next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So instead of praying with you on Monday, I will be loading snap-on cabinets and a drill press and a table saw and various things into a U-Haul. If I have the chance and the timing is right, and now that we've done this one live, I may as well (laughs) do that live, I will pop in live for a casual bonus episode. But odds are there won't be an episode next week. So I just thought I would give you that heads up and warning. All right, let's get into the prayer info. We've been talking about postures, prayer postures, how our body can communicate in prayer. we've talked about what we do with our hands and our body's position in space, like standing or kneeling or lying down. And today we're going to talk about something related, but maybe not really a posture. It's how we use our voice. Our voices are incredibly expressive. I was recently accused of snapping at someone Because there was a specific, quote, tone in my voice, right? You know when someone's tone of voice and their words don't match. Though in my case, you don't always know when that tone is leaking out into your voice. Our emotions bleed into our voices. You can tell when a loved one is hurting or sad or happy by the sound of their voice. Don't be afraid to allow your voice to be just as expressive in prayer, Don't be afraid to use your voice in general. We often pray only in our heads or our hearts, internally, so outwardly silently, and that's totally fine. Hannah's anguished prayer in 1 Samuel 1 was silent. Her lips were moving, but no words were audible, but God listened and answered. That is not the only way to pray. You can pray out loud. Yes, of course, when you're with others or like in this kind of situation when I am with you and broadcasting, but also when you're by yourself. David talks about this frequently in the Psalms, like Psalm seventy-seven one. He says, "I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me." And he isn't just referring to a conversational tone, although I'm sure he spoke to God conversationally out loud. Psalm fifty-five seventeen says, "I complain and groan morning, noon, and night, and He hears my voice." Hebrews five seven, talking about Jesus, says. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. It's interesting that he talks about loud cries and tears and reverence in the same context. A quote from Alice and Stephen Kendrick says this, Various translations of the original word for crying out carry the idea of shrieking in pain or making a sound like an animal in danger, or wailing with deep emotion of spirit. It's intense and loud, heavy and heartfelt. Nearly half of the time when John's revelation talks about words being spoken in heaven, they are explicitly identified as a loud voice, 20 times in its 22 chapters." End quote. So as you're thinking about how to use your voice in prayer, I encourage you to let your emotions color your conversation. It's not as if God doesn't know your feelings. This becomes a practice in bringing your full self to prayer in authentic communication. Also, consider practicing using your voice in ways that you might be unfamiliar with, not used to. What would happen if you would yell in prayer? What would a cry of deep emotion sound like for you? What kind of topic of conversation would draw that out from you? And have you ever talked about that with God in an emotionally authentic way? How you use your voice might not be something that you think about, but it is definitely worth exploring. So let's actually get to using my voice in prayer, and I promise I won't yell today. Well, I guess I probably shouldn't promise that, (laughs) but I will probably not yell today. All right, so worship first. Scripture talks about God expressing emotion in all kinds of ways in the pages of the Bible. We see him feeling compassion, love, anger, grief, jealousy, and joy, and I am sure that's just a partial list. Jesus especially was fully human, so he experienced all the same kinds of emotions that you and I do. Now, God himself doesn't necessarily feel or express emotions exactly like us, but it is one of the ways that personhood is defined. He's a personal God with mind and emotions and a will of his own. That's the definition of personhood, someone something that had, someone who has a mind, emotions, and a will of their own. His emotions are rooted in His holy nature. Today, we're going to worship Him as a personal God, one with mind, emotions, and will. In order to do that, we're going to use Zephaniah 3.17. And since we're doing the whole live thing differently, I don't have that verse to put up for you. But it's Zephaniah 3.17, and it says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Now, I have usually looked at this verse, and when I I read it, I am awed over the idea that God would exult over me with singing. Like, that's just not something I generally picture or think about, and so it always brings me back to this verse that's this, like, awe-inspiring moment. But there's other things in this verse we're going to draw on prayer this morning, so let's just do it. Father, you are Lord, and you are God, and you are in our midst. You say where two or three are gathered in your name. You are there. And we have a number of people listening live. And those joining on the replay will be joining our voices. You are in our midst. You are a mighty one who will save. But you are not just this uh, kind of independent idea. You are a person with emotions, person in the, ter- in the sense of personhood, with emotions. You rejoice over us with gladness. You feel glad about me and rejoice over me. You feel joy over me. You will quiet me with your love. You feel love towards me. Certainly that's repeated so many times in the Bible that we tend to gloss over is that this idea that the God of the universe feels love toward me specifically. Amazing. You will quiet me by your love and you will exult over me with your singing, with loud singing. You sing loudly, exulting over me. That's amazing. You are an awesome God. And I worship you this morning as one who has emotions rooted in holiness. My emotions are rooted in my own flawed nature. Certainly your spirit can help me translate those and transform those but you your emotions are rooted, rooted in your holy nature and i worship you for that this morning i'm grateful that we have being made in your image we can identify and experience that part of your character as well our emotions are tricky things help us learn to uh, offer them as worship for, to you as we step into this prayer time this morning And talking about success and how we measure success, I ask that you would give me your words, give me your thoughts, help me speak clearly and (laughs) make sense, quote. As I speak, uh, my emotions are mixed up in this topic you've been really spirit you've been really working on my own heart, and I pray that that would continue. I pray that you would help me find clarity through that work. I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts in the ways that that we need teach each one of us what we need to hear this morning and find us obedient and listening in Jesus name amen I don't think I've been talking enough this morning because my voice is <laughs> my throat's already hurting it doesn't usually all right so to the meat of the broadcast some things are easier to measure than others measurement allows us to classify things it gives us data to make judgments how much money we make how much money our kids make how many homes we own do we own a home or more than one home or the kind of vehicle we drive these things are measurable visible easily easily made into data points unless you think the church is immune how many people attend our services on a weekly basis how many baptisms or conversions how many quote members that each church has there are lots of things that we can track so that we can measure progress and success, and this is not necessarily a wrong thing. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that we should not measure and track, but some things are much harder to quantify, and we tend to default to using data that is easy to gather for decisions and judgments. Furthermore, when we have data, when we know measurements, we make value judgments. We decide whether something worked or it didn't. We ascribe value to the effort and also to people. For example, a child's success as measured by their finances, as they're holding to society norms, or their career choices, or if they are married with children, these data points can lead us to judge their parents as successful. And we draw lines between ourselves with these data points based on things easily seen, based on spending habits, on accumulating, on job titles, on degrees earned. But as we've been discussing for the last few weeks, these things aren't how God measures success. So it's really critically important for us to use the same measuring stick on our own lives that God uses. That measuring stick is much less visible. What really matters to God? Things like faithfulness, obedience, acting justly, loving mercy, thankfulness, humility, fearing God, abiding in Christ, persevering, serving, these kind of things summed up by Jesus as loving God And loving others. So today we're going to pray through how we measure success. Whose measuring stick are we using, man's or God's? And we are going to have two portions to this prayer time. Uh, One passage where we'll talk about the kind of things we use to measure that uh, worldly things, and how we succumb to that, and a second passage where we'll talk about learning to measure ourselves using the same measuring stick that God uses. All right. So the first passage is John. 12 42 and 43 and it's the shorter one it says nevertheless many did believe in him talking about Jesus even among the rulers but because of the pharisees they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue for they loved human praise more than praise from god now much of our following and measuring on society standards is in order to appeal or appease or to earn praise from other humans, when in reality, our focus should be on God. So let's kind of go into this and cover this. Father, I know that I have been guilty of being more worried about what people think than about what you think, and I ask right now for your forgiveness. I pray that you would lead me into a place where that is not true. Certainly, I am much more there than I used to be, and I thank you for that spiritual growth. I want to pray this morning and ask you to speak to each of our hearts about these specific areas of the world's definition of success and and measuring sticks of success. And I I want you to show me and each of those listening whether or how and what ways we are using those measuring sticks in our own lives to measure our own worth, measure our own success, and measure our own place in the world, kind of our place in society. How have we used money to do that? Show me the ways that I rely on money as a measuring stick, whether that is how much money I have in the bank leading to security, whether that is a status thing, a keeping up with my neighbor thing, or a method of accumulating stuff. How have I used money as a measuring stick? And I ask for you to lead my heart into repentance over that and into wisdom in that area. And related possessions, accumulating things. How have I used accumulating things as a measuring stick in society? It might show up in my life as, am I as good as that person? A comparison thing? Uh, leading to self-worth? Do I have these things that I am supposed to have in order to be a part of normal society? Is my focus on accumulating that stuff, is that where my drive and desire lives? If that is my measuring stick, accumulating possessions, Lord speak to me about that. Lead me into repentance over that. Teach me to turn away from that. How about power? If my definition of success is power and influence, I pray that you would open my eyes to that. Am I seeking after? Am I overly concerned with power or influence? That might look like being addicted to social media numbers, follower numbers. That might mean being so concerned that my family or my friends uh, speak with respect to me. It, it might show up in individual relationships uh, by vying for the power be wanting to be the power holder in those relationships it might look like how I dress myself or appear in the world in order to increase my influence or power to appeal to certain people if that's where my measuring stick has been if I measure myself by the amount of power and influence that I hold in any given situation then lead me into repentance for that. Help me turn away from that and instead turn towards your measuring stick. Show me the ways that that's appearing in my life. It might look like a desire for comfort or ease or pleasure. If I'm seeking after how much pleasure, how happy I am and the people around me are, how much pleasure we are getting out of life, how fully we are immersed in the... Um, kind of physical enjoyment of life that could appear as uh, sexual conquests, that could appear as um, simply um, looking for physical stimulation. I completely lost my words for that. The idea of um, kind of constantly going for more physical risk taking adrenaline junkie that's the kind of thing i was thinking about it might appear as being hooked on adrenaline the pursuit of adrenaline it might simply be that i am interested in being comfortable not being challenged in any way if those are the measuring sticks if the pleasure and happiness and physical pleasure if, of my life is are the things that i'm measuring a successful life with, then speak to my heart and lead me into repentance. Help me to see where those are cropping up in my life and turn away from that. Another one might be productivity. This constant need or evaluation over my time and my life in how productive I am in what I'm producing. Now, those things might be good things to produce, but is my measuring stick of my life and my worth coming from the things that I am producing, whether that is work or whether that is nonprofit work or ministry fruit or uh, the creating good things or constantly being uh, in work mode? How am I judging my life based on my productivity? Maybe that is a career choice. Maybe that is simply my income based on my productivity. If that's what my measuring stick is for the success of my life, lead me to repentance over that, draw me away from those things in my life that are causing me to measure my life in that way. And finally, I'm not sure if I, uh, I guess maybe the other thing that I had on my list here was the idea of putting a mask on. If my, the, the person I present to the world, how perfect they are, The right car, the right house, the right clothes, the right family, the right job, the right uh, location. If all of those are my measuring stick, how I present my appearance to the world, my um, public face to the world. If those are my measuring stick, if all of those are in place, then my my life is a success. If that's how I measure life, then I ask that you would lead me into repentance. Show me the ways that that's showing up, and draw me to a measuring stick more aligned with your heart. If there's anything else, any other ways that I haven't touched on that we measure our success, lead me into repentance if they are not aligned with your measuring stick, Amen. Okay, that's part one. If you're still with me, we have a little bit longer passage for part two. It is Mark twelve twenty-eight through thirty-three, and you might recognize. Certainly, you'll recognize one of these verses. You might recognize the set, the passage. It's a fairly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus goes on to approve this man's evaluation and response. So let's use that. As our idea of God's measuring stick, he. Uh, I keep. I keep thinking about the verses where they're choosing from David and his brothers, the future king of Israel, and as I think it's Samuel goes through the brothers and he's evaluating all of them by their external appearance. The one is tall and strong. The one is handsome and good looking, and and he go and he keeps. God keeps telling him, no, not this one, no, not this one, no, not this one. And Samuel's like, well, are there any more where this is it? Because God hasn't chosen any of these. And they're like, well, there's David, this like little scrawny out in the field with the sheep kid that we kind of <laughs> like wouldn't even call into this meeting. David comes and God tells Samuel, I judge not by outward appearance, by the heart and so as we think about our measuring stick, and the measuring stick that God uses and how we can emulate that. I keep, keep thinking about that story. I probably should have used that as one of the stories. Maybe we'll use that one next week. But let's go back through this one, this idea that Jesus has answered loving the Lord your God, loving other people. There is no commandment higher than these. So let's 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 pray. Father, as the Pharisee answered or as the the Person, Man answered Jesus that these things are more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Burnt offerings and sacrifices were the religious practice of the day. What are our burnt offerings and sacrifices that we are placing above loving you and loving well? Maybe there are things that we are doing, whether it's attending church or our own personal Bible study, or outward appearances at church. Maybe there are things in our religious practice that are easily visible, easily measured, so much um, simpler or less messy than affairs of the heart. Help us to turn away from those things. Show us where those might be, and I probably should have used this in the last portion. Show us where those might be our measuring stick, our religious practices. When instead, you desire a heart that loves, help us learn to measure our lives, to measure our success by how well we love you, how fully we love you with our whole heart, our whole lives, our whole understanding, our whole strength of our bodies, what we do with ourselves every day, day in and day out, in every aspect of our lives, how well we are loving you and how well we are loving others. It's a messy stick. It's not easily measured. But I pray that you would speak into each one of our lives and show us where we are falling short. Help us be sensitive to the Spirit's voice in those things and lead us to repentance and not defensiveness, not excuses. Help us be interested in measuring ourselves this way because it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to judge ourselves on how well we love when that love can be messy and inconvenient and scary and dangerous. Dangerous to our reputation, dangerous to our physical selves, dangerous to our emotions. Loving is not a safe place. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes perseverance. I pray that you would lead us in those steps in our lives. Begin to open situations where we are called to love, and that feels like a dangerous prayer. But those are the places that you want us, the places where we are called to love, when it might not be easy. Help us learn to think about our days and measure our success, but not on, did we get our to-do list done? Did we check off all of the Christian to-do boxes like prayer, Bible study? Did we—not, It not, did we— do a good job at work and kill that presentation. Not did we not fight with our family tonight, but instead, did we love well? Did we love you well? Did we love others well? Where were we called to love and did we answer that call? Did we seek out opportunities? Did we do that well? Let that be the measuring stick of our days because as Annie Lamott says, how we live our days is how we live our lives. So if we can measure how well we loved each day, we will have loved well in a year, in a decade, in a lifetime. Teach us how to do that. That feels messy and unmeasurable, unmeasurable not easy. Teach us ways that we can find to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, thank you so much. joining me today. I'm so grateful for you being with me here live, here on the replay, and in the podcast as a listener there. Like I said earlier, we will not probably be back next week. If we do, it'll be a bonus, but I have probably taken the week off, and we will be back most likely with a a wrap-up episode on this topic. I don't know if God's working in your lives, on this topic. I would love to know. So send me a DM, drop a comment, comment on a post, let me know that. For I and maybe I'll talk about this more next time we're together. God's really doing a work in my heart on this whole topic. And so I know I have not been able to be as consistent with daily posts, <laughs> but trust me, it is a daily conversation between God and I on this idea. So anyway, I will either see you next week, but probably the week after. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road. And my heart is, as we do this, that God would really use this time to change our lives, answer these prayers, teach us how to pray according to His Word. But mostly, most important, I pray that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen.